0: the new writing series. very exciting to have Christine Scott with us today. Um, I'm going to hand over the podium to Courtney Killian, who's a second year MFA student in fiction. But before I do, I also just want to tell you about the next new writing series that's coming up, so you can put it in your calendars. Um, It's going to be a very special double header, a fiction poetry double header, uh, with Amy Bender, the fiction writer, uh, who is... Herself, uh, an alum of the literature department here at UCSD, and Christian Wyman, the poet who is also the editor of Poetry Magazine. So, um, another great reading coming up, but for now, let me welcome Courtney Killian. Thank you, Courtney. Welcome to the New Writers Series. I'm Courtney Killian, a second-year MFA student, and it is with great honor that I have the pleasure of introducing our reader this afternoon. Christine Scutt is the author of two short story collections, Night Work and A Day, A Night, Another Day, Summer. She is the author of two novels. The first, Florida, was a National Book Award finalist in 2004, and the second, also, Souls, was a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize in 2009. She is a sir- recipient of a Pushcart Prize and O. Henry Prizes and it was awarded a Guggenheim Fellowship for 2010. Scut's writing sears, wounds, and suffocates. Her prose breathes of loss and love and how we destroy ourselves. She writes about familial dysfunction and, despite its unbearable ugliness, the beauty within any human connection. Her prose ebbs in and out of poetry, providing images that long resonate and allow her readers to grip hold of anchors as they move through the uncertain landscapes of her fiction. Her writing is tactile and human, showing the hairs across a character's arms or the way a body looks swimming in a pool at night. Each sentence of the work she creates constructs and dismantles, holding as much weight as the next. She peels off layers of skin from her characters, tracing across their vulnerability and bringing to life experiences that push from her pages with a heartbeat. Scut's work is a stimulant for her reader, Resisting the Norm, Exploring Human Connection, and Rendering Images that Long Remind Readers Why We Read and Writers Why We Write. Please help me r- welcome Christine Scott. Thank you. Thank, you
1: Thank, you. Thank you for that very nice introduction. It's terrific to be here. I've never seen uh, your gorgeous university, but I was uh, telling Sarah how much I love California and uh, I'm glad to be away from the East Coast. <clears throat> and I'd love to find a job here <laughs> it's so sunny i mean it's uh, uh it, you you don't need the lamps to make yourself happy you don't need you don't even need those happy pills you know <clears throat> which is a good thing <clears throat> i'm going to read a um a short story <clears throat> excuse me um it's uh in in, in a book i'm trying to finish and the story is called a happy rural seat of various view lucinda's garden they met gordon brisk on a friday the 13th at the clam box in brooklyn they poo-pooed the ominous signs the milky stew they ate was cold so what they were happy they were at sea They were at the mess, cork-skinned, roughs in rummy spirits, dumb, loud, happy. And they really didn't have so much to say to each other. They were only a few months married and agreed on everything. And for the moment, nearly everything they did, where and how they lived, was cheap or free. They expected gifts at every turn and got them. So it was at the clam box on a Friday night... Lime pits along the rim of the glass, pie-feeling puckered when Gordon Brisk introduced himself as a friend of Aunt Lucinda's from a long time ago. Nick said he had seen Gordon's paintings, of course, and Gordon said, I'm not surprised. Gordon told a story that included Aunt Lucinda when she was their age, young. There were matches in it and another young woman who almost died. Aunt Lucinda in the story was the same. All love, 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 and this time for Gordon. And as for Gordon himself, he held up his hands. His hands had been on fire. He said, just look at these fuckers. And they did. They looked and looked the hands should have scared them but they were drunk and sunburned and happy they were glad they insisted glad to have met him our first famous person pie said after the after dinner drinks when she and nick were in the Crosley driving home Pie was driving too fast. She was saying how she loved those amber-colored, oversweet drinks, the ones floated with an orange slice and a cherry. She had had too many, so was it any surprise she hit something? She hit what they thought was a raccoon. It was definitely something large and dark, but fatally hesitant. Pie was driving the Crosley, a gardener's minicar, which had no business on a public road, but Pie had wanted to drive it. The Crosley was a toy, yet whatever Pie hit hobbled into the woods, dragging its broken parts. Home again and in their beds, Pie and Nick took aspirin and turned away from each other and slept next morning fricked of love and then as usual in the garden aunt lucinda's garden the famous one a spilling over often photographed sea coast garden the garden was how they lived for free they were the caretakers in an estate called the cottage some cottage Why would Aunt Lucinda leave this paradise, they asked, but she had told them his name was Bruno and his wealth exceeded hers. The villa he owned in Tuscany was staffed. Everything here is arranged for my pleasure, so Aunt Lucinda said. Gordon had said, scant pleasure. He had said, I'll tell you pleasure, the killing kind and then to most everyone at the clam box bar he described his wife shoe black hair and pointy parts that cunt was the source of the fire or so he had said at the clam box i was fucking around was what gordon had said but who wouldn't They were untested, Pi and Nick. They were newly everything, and now here they were caretakers for a summer before the rest of life began. And on this morning, as on so many mornings, the cloudless sky grew blue, then bluer. White chips of birds passed fast overhead, and the water was bright. They looked too long at its ceaseless signals, and at noon they zombied to it. They let the water assault them until, cold and helpless, they let the waves knock them back to shore and up the beach. Sand caught in all the cracked places, and it felt good to take off their suits and finger it out. They lay directly on the sand. They dozed. They woke. They brushed themselves off. They wanted nothing. They were dry, and their suits were dry, and for a moment warm against them, and they walked to the shore. Nick and Pi walked along the shore and then into the water, and they knew the water all over again. So went the afternoon in light, no clouds, whereas indoors it was dark. It was dark, but they ran through the mudroom toward the phone. They ran, and then they missed it. Who cared? They had the late afternoon before them. They tended the garden, nick and pie. They watered the deep beds. They flourished arcs. They beaded hooded plants and cupped plants and frangible roos. They washed paths. The wet rock walls turned into gems. What a place this was. How could Aunt Lucinda's Bruno match it? Of course, the sunsets could be overlong if all they did was watch them. But they were distracted. The hot showers felt coarse against their sunburned skin, and the lotion was cold. They put on pastel colors and saw their eyes in the mirror, another blue another summer dusk stunned by the sun's garish setting they stood close to the grill and the radio's news they were in love and could listen horrified but untouched to whatever the newscaster had to say but the flamboyant infanticide accomplished with duct tape was too much just north of them it had happened in the next and poorest county turn that off Nick said, and Pi did. For them, nothing more serious than the dark. They finally sat in with plates on their laps and at their feet melted melted drinks that looked dirty. Death, will it be sudden and will we be smiling when we know ourselves and the life we have lived? Don't even think such things, but Pi did. And Nick did, too. He said, think of something else. And Pi came up with Gordon. Gordon at the clam box, his high color and his scribbled hair, the way he startled whenever they had swayed closer. Was he afraid he might be touched? But there were all those women, an actress they had heard of, a lot of other men's wives, and Aunt Lucinda, A beauty, was what he said of her. Cornelia Shelby had been a girlfriend, too, until the Count swooped down. A prick, the Count. Cornelia Shelby was a cunt. What are we, they'd asked. (laughs) Conceited. Nevertheless, Gordon called them. The picnic was his idea. Mid-morning and already hot, the coast, a scoured metal, stung their eyes. Even as they drove against the wind, they felt the heat there was no shade for a picnic the tablecloth cornered with rocks blew away the champagne was wavy the food they ate was salty or dry no taste to speak of nick wanted peanut butter and jelly on pink damp bread instead here were cresses and colored crisps then the champagne began pie swallowed too much of an egg too fast and it hurt her throat Gordon said of Aunt Lucinda's Bruno, the man's a fool. He knows nothing about art, but he lets people play with his money. Gordon picked at the knees of his loose khaki pants, and what he found he flicked away in the seagrass. He asked, how do you play with yours? They told him just how little they had. Too bad, he said. Poor you. Pie washed her sticky hands in the coolers, melting ice. Gordon yawned. Then they all three pushed the picnic back into the basket, didn't bother to fold, drove home. A storm the next day, the power thunked out. Nick and Pi still had a headache from the picnic, too much champagne and whatever they had drunk after, so they took more aspirin, they napped, they looked at the sky, they shared a joint, and they knocked around in bed and felt rubbed and eased when they were finished. It was quiet in the cottage except for the sound of the rain they talked about money until they made themselves thirsty downstairs in the porch they saw Gordon in the garden under the tent of a golf umbrella Gordon said he'd walked all the way from the village to them walked in the rain to get sober last night he said sadly he shut the umbrella and sat on the porch with his head in his ruined hands so they lit The fat joint rolled against the threat of all-day rain, and Gordon was glad of it. Yes, he said, and inhaled deeply and exhaled in a noisy way until seeming satisfied, which was how they felt, too. Forgotten were the woozy picnic and the problems of money. After all, Nick and Pi were a handsome couple, young and loved. Aunt Lucinda was rich even if they weren't. Hundreds of people had come to their wedding, and now they were caretakers to a scenic estate called the cottage. The cottage on Morgan Bay. For them the sky cleared and the sun came out and the garden began to sizzle. Gordon stayed on. He watched the happy couple swatted by the waves, how they exhausted themselves until he was exhausted too, and he slept. They all slept. They slept through the white hours of afternoon when the light was less complex. When they woke, the sand was peachy-colored and the sky was pretty. Gordon said he wanted to do something, but what? Why didn't they have any money? They had the Crosley. Fun, Pye said. Some fun, Nick said. You killed some kind of an animal with that toy. Pye said, I could bike to Gary's and see if he has any clams. We could have a clam bake down here after five it's damp and cold and there's not as much beach you come up with something why don't you the lotion's hot it can't feel good gordon said but pi said he was wrong i'm so sunburned. anything against my skin feels cool she said gordon wiped his hands on her breasts he said lovely he said maybe you'll think of something to do i'll call you A line they had heard before, had used themselves. I'll call you. Augured disappointment. Nick's handsome face was crinkled. What the fuck, he said. What's this, Pi asked. You're more ambitious, was what Nick finally said. A cup of soup was dinner. The radio left off. Find some music. Pye said, and left Nick to wander through the cottage. She swatted Aunt Lucinda's clothes until she found it. Valentino tap pants, and she tapped downstairs to nobody's music but her quavery own. The best you could do? Pi asked. Look at you, he said. On the beach, they agreed, their daydreaming was sometimes dangerous. The memory of Gordon's misanthropic breath against their faces came in gusts. Jesus, Pye said, remembering. What? The hollows of her body, especially at her hips, were exciting to them both, and they smiled to see the sand running out of Nick's hand and into the ditched place between her hips. Jesus, Pye said. I was thinking, he said, I would lick. Back to the garden, to the doused and swabbed every morning afternoon. Nick staked the droopers and Pie cut back. The heavy-headed mock orange now past, Pi hacked at it and hacked at it until the shorn shrub looked embarrassed. Poor thing, Nick said, and Pi laughed. I've turned the grandpa of the front walk into a kid. Pie. Pi. A long girl, wobbly in heeled shoes, bow-legged, shifty, bored perhaps, but friendly, quick to laugh. On any errand, making an impression, Nick left her on the village green the next afternoon, a lean girl in a ruffled bib. What was she wearing exactly? Something skimpy, faded, pink. She wore braids again, or that was how Nick remembered her when he described Elizabeth Latham Day pie was her father's invention. A girl. A pretty speck. A part of summer. And passing through it, she was. Pi was a white blonde, a blonde everywhere. It made Nick hard to think of her. She had close blonde fur between her legs. He liked to comb it with his fingers. Pull a little bit. Fuck. Where the hell is she? Nick couldn't Help himself lucinda said there was no family precedent no one was mad that she knew of don't think we weren't getting along nick said quite the opposite Dogs snuffed in the woods off leashes, heavy yellow and black dogs, their roomy eyes mournful, their hard tails always looked wet and swapped against the shrubs. Once the dogs barked, Nick heard, though they were out of sight, something they had found dead and offensive. Not her, not pie. Thank God. Although after the dogs, the reports, the calls... The case grew fainter. Also, also Nick was drinking. He was forgetting he had this job. He found himself standing in front of open broom closets and cabinets in front of the dishwasher and sinks. Sometimes his hands were wet watering he finished watering the wilted patches then sat on the porch and worried his roughed up hands cut and dirty and uncared for ugly as roots and clumsy hard even to phone to push the buttons accurately but he did and to his surprise gordon brisk answered and said i'm only just home but i've heard i'm sorry and that was that What was this guy all about, was what Nick wanted to know. Tell me, Nick said to Lucinda. Addresses, historic districts, the watch he wears, his antique truck. Gordon's conversation was an orange pricked with cloves, an aromatic keepsake of Episcopal Christmases. So it came as a surprise when he said he was a Jew. A Jew? You've not seen a lot of the world, Nick. True, he hadn't. He had married young, but Nick did not want to travel. He wanted to stay at the cottage at least until spring, maybe through another summer. Who knew? Pye might come back. Why would Gordon say more? Nick and Pie hadn't seen him since when. That hot, flashy day, brisk, discovered they only looked rich. They had money enough to get by, but how much was that? How much did it cost to get by pleasantly? They were young, newly married. The most expensive things they bought were medicinal, recreational. You have no idea how happy we have been here, Nick said. This was the truth, uttered later, after whatever had passed for dinner after the bath that made him sweat the third or fourth scotch. We were really, really happy The mothers and fathers on both sides made visits. They remarked on the garden and the ocean. They said, no one would leave such a place voluntarily. So Nick stayed on at the cottage. He watched the seasons redden and blue, then brittle and brown the plants. The decline could be beautiful, but Nick's hands, ungloved, grew grotesque. A fungus buckled and yellowed his thumbnail. His hands, all rose, Nick's, and dirt reminded him of Gordon's hands. Gordon talking about something to do with love, saying they had no idea. Speaking in his seer voice, the old hacked vacant voice prophesizing horrors they could not imagine not us pi thought and nick thought too weren't they always harmonious after gordon left they said we're lucky together we are You have no idea, Gordon had said another day on the beach. He had said to Nick, Someday your mouth will bleed and your sleep and her cunt, too, will stain whatever it touches. Love? Gordon, in the buff, On the beach that time, pulling at the bunched part between his legs, lifting up a purse of excitable skin, the black-haired, peaky creature called his wife had been a cunt, Gordon had said. I was on my way home when I saw the smoke, up in smoke, my wife and some of my paintings, Gordon had asked. You know what I tried to save, don't you? Nick had suspected it was not his wife. But what was Nick doing to find his why was it gordon that nick thought so much about when gordon had shut up his house and gone somewhere south southwest oh the summer the summer felt next door despite the cold nick talked to anybody he shut the place up he was there after last call at the bar saying his goodbyes at the clam box already shivering yet still polite likable boy it was a dry cold a snowless night and Nick so exposed in the Crosley hurt driving into it the starless sky was friendly and the moon if there was one was wide thank you thank you thank you very much I don't know if I'm supposed to take questions. Am I supposed to do that? Yes, sure. Happy, happy to do that. Can you repeat the questions in today?
0: Would I repeat? Oh, you
1: can just say them. Say them. Yes, right. If there are any questions, it's always a terrible time in the after after the reading, right? You ask people, "Are there any questions?" I never had a question myself. Yes. Yes? Do
0: you, uh, do you think of the character first and then pick the name? like, Or do you come up with the name first and then
1: sort of build the personality into the name? Mm, no, um. name? Hmm. It comes in all different ways, I think. You know, sometimes you do come up with a name you really, really want to use. Um. That was true. of My second novel, I wanted you know astra and i wanted dell and that that i knew before i knew anything else but um uh and at other times uh, they just you just sort of know they just sort of like they, they just kind of come to you I, I don't know where pie came. I just sort of thought that would be fun, you know. I, I like saying pie. Often you make your choice. Yes. Often you make your choices. I think too, based on how it's going to work in the sentence. You know, if, if if I want two syllables to be working with, or if I want one syllable, or if I want a short sound, or you know, or something that's going to you know do some rhyming. So I sometimes make ch- pick that way. And sometimes I fall in love with uh movie stars too. I fell in love with Clive Owen. And uh, I think a lot of people fall fall in love with Clive Owen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I really want to use Owen somewhere, <laughs> you know. It seems like a really sweet name. Yeah.
0: Do you pick friends'
1: names? Do I pick friends' names? Um Mm, And and not unless they're sort of stand, you know, an an Elizabeth would be kind of standard or something. But no, I don't, I don't use my friends' their names. No, (laughs) and I don't use my own name either. I know people who do that, and I'm always really quite stunned, you know, when they write fiction and they're, they're in the fiction. That that (laughs) really surprises me. I I wouldn't have the nerve to do it. Yeah.
0: Um, When it comes to sort of cliched language, yeah, I mean you have a lot of phrases and a lot of unique dialogue, but also some standard colloquial things that you're used to hearing. Yeah. Uh, when you're thinking about the, the word choice for, for dialogue, how, how much do you want to move towards that sort of conversational, the, the common phrases, and how much do you try and steer away from it?
1: Dialogue is the hardest thing for me to write. I'm not comfortable when I write it. I think most dialogue is pretty flat in life. Although, if you really start listening to people, and and you can take down some odd things. um, I I, I heard somebody say this recently, and I I used it, so you can't use it. (laughs) Um, And it was, um, uh, I think he had a really pointy chin, but if he didn't, he had a beard. (laughs) <laughs> and, and I just thought that was a, that was a great line <laughs> that, that was a great line but most of the time in dialogue you know and you don't you don't want to use it to for exposition um, and um, it, it, it's so hard to get it to sound right that actually what I've taken to doing is writing a lot of not for me a lot of dialogue which isn't a lot of dialogue for a lot of people but maybe this much on the page and then and then crossing out every other line and seeing what I get. Because sometimes I get a lot more spontaneity and excitement and I sort of surprise myself and I think, you know, maybe this person would say something like that. So, But the dialogue is is—it's very tricky, isn't it? Some people are very good at it. I mean, and I really admire that. I really do. I, I don't know how they do it. Yeah. You were
0: mentioned in an article recently where the guy was diagramming one of your sentences.
1: Oh, yeah. You
0: talked about, I forget <clears throat> what the sentence was, but basically they were teased throughout the sentence, mm-hmm. and they started far apart by the last word they were together, and I couldn't help but if <laughs> you've done that on purpose, or was that a happy accident Is that something
1: I, you know, I I, I love Gary, Gary Lutz, who exactly. wrote that. Yes, right. The sentence is a lonely place, or something right. like that. Yeah, it was a wonderful, wonderful talk and essay and everything else, and I was so delighted by the way he took my sentences apart, and I wish I had known that I was doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like sound, and I read a lot of poetry, and... um uh, and I'm aware of things sometimes when I'm editing, and I'm looking at letters, and I'm, I also like the way sometimes just words look on a page, when you have a lot of O's, it's one of my favorite letters, an O, and just, you know, so I play around that way, but um, I, the, he came up with one formulation that was so, so tidy, and so nice, and God knows, I wish I'd done that on purpose. Mm-hmm. But you only you know this. <laughs> <laughs> no one else knows this. I'll tell everybody else it was pur- uh, purposeful. Yeah, definitely.
0: So it isn't here thing you're listening
1: for it, it's not entirely accident. No, it's not entirely ex- No, 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 no. I do listen, and I do, uh, like all of you in this room, I'm sure, read my work aloud and read it aloud, and read it aloud, and, and then if I come to something that I think um, would embarrass me to say, uh, or I just, you know, then, then, I'll, then I'll take it out. No, I, I am aware of the sound, yeah. yeah. I like to use sound, too, to, to suggest uh, uh, the mood of a piece, you know, or, or when it comes down, or they're really short syllables, and, you know, just or not too many syllables, monosyllabic, you know, lines, those sorts of things. I like to play it that way. Yeah. Yes?
0: How did you decide
1: that you wanted to pursue a career in writing? Um, you know, it, it's... The, I really couldn't do anything else. It was a ter if I if I could have been a vet, I would like to be a vet. I really would love to have been a vet. I like animals a lot, but I couldn't. And um when I was in high school, I was, I was so bad at math. I, I mean, in part, I got myself out of it in senior year. I, I cried a lot. And after a while, you know, your teachers really can't bear it anymore. and they just, I really don't want this person in my classroom. So when it came around to senior English uh, or senior math, I got out of that, and I was allowed to teach uh, sixth-grade vocabulary. So that was my first time teaching, and I thought, this is, I like this, this is nice. And I liked, obviously, teaching vocabulary. It was a lot easier than math. And, um, and I started writing some stories then. And um, it seemed to be that was the only thing I could be, that I was sort of good at. And that was it. Yeah. If you
0: did not excel at math in high school, did you excel at English?
1: Yeah, I, yes, I did have that, thank God. <laughs> thank God. Yeah, I mean, you have to have something, right? You have to be able to sing or do something in high school. Uh, so, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you, uh, When you, like, sit down and write, do you have a routine, or like, do you just, like, sit down and write, or...?
1: I sit down, <laughs> uh, and I also stand up sometimes when I when I can't keep awake. I find that's very helpful. I'm sure a lot of you have done that too. It's great, you know, and sort of this, and <laughs> that helps. And um, I have a very, very short attention span. Uh, and I don't think that... Uh, uh, google and all this other stuff is that's not making it any longer unfortunately um but i do i sit down and i work and i and then i'll get up and i'll walk around and then i'll go back and um it's pretty much like that for as long as i have the day you know but i don't write a lot i don't produce a lot in a day sadly it just doesn't happen So, yes? I think I'm starting at the beginning. You know, I do think I'm starting at the beginning, but um, a lot of the time you're just uh, sort of clearing your throat. You're just getting ready, and when you look at it the next day, you realize, you know, the story starts on the next page. Um, In fact, if I've started a new story and I look at the beginning the next day, what I often do is um, I'll just put my hand over over the top and keep on moving down to see if the sentence that I thought was going to be my first sentence has got as much to play with as I want to play with, if it's really interesting. And very often you'll find, no, it's not interesting at all, it was really bad, and it's way, way, way down there. And that changes the story. So, uh, and sometimes you finish a story, of course, and then you realize uh, the story starts at the very end. And then everything goes. So, it's, um, I think you have to be willing to, this is the only cheerful note on starting, Mm -hmm. starting stories or not, you have to be willing to be able to play, I think, with your own text once it's there and to move it around you know and to see because sometimes you end up writing a really kind of normative story which is fine you, but you know if you find even you're getting tired of it then then you really know you should sort of maybe cut things up a little bit and just see what, what you might have if you played with it so that's fun yeah now that you've been through the
0: process a number of times you know you're definitely more established Do you you find yourself able to free write anymore or do you get stuck on the sentence? I mean, your sentences are so precise, you know, that they take a lot of work, I'm sure. So are you able to free write anymore without getting wrapped up in
1: the sentence? You know, uh, recently somebody suggested a change to a book that I'm working on. And uh, it was the first thing that sort of made sense. And I was excited. And I wrote. And I wrote this is going to sound sort of pathetic but i wrote 700 words in a day and for me that's just astonishing <laughs> and um and i thought because it had been easy and i'd enjoyed myself it had to be bad um and i'm still you know i'm staying with it but i'm not i'm not sure you know it's very hard for me to i I'd like to cut loose that way, you know, and really enjoy myself. But uh, when I enjoy myself, I think something's got to be wrong. <laughs> it's got to be so much harder, you know, so much, so much more anguish. I think so. Yeah, be nice to do that. So yes. Sorry. So going back to the story you just read. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I get the feeling that. Perhaps ran away. Cause she was getting bored with the uh, mm. kind mm. of monotonous
0: lifestyle. I mean, it was. I mean, they were doing they were being spontaneous and just doing whatever, doing anything and anything they like, because they're not bound by any kind of job or anything. Right. So, did she run away or did she get uh, I
1: mean, uh, kidnapped? Or yeah. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. really? yeah. <laughs> know it's really cheap trick isn't it what i'm doing i mean it really is it's cheap when i was looking to to see what what i could possibly read uh you know i wanted to get something that would be not as grim as some of my other stories um and th- that would have people maybe, you know, roughly in your age grew, you know, younger people. And I didn't want to read any of my old folks' stories. <laughs> I thought that, that really won't go over. So I, 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 you know, I looked at this one. When I was writing it, I had a lot of trouble writing. All I knew was that um, uh, th- th- um, that first part of the title, it comes from a Milton's definition for, for, for paradise, and I thought, I'm just going to write a really simple story about, you know, paradise and falling out of paradise. And it's no more a beautiful Garden of Eden and so forth. And But I had a lot of, you know, trouble moving along. And it, th- this happened. I hate people who say this, you know, who say my characters talk to me. And, you know, mm-hmm. I know them and they tell me what... I, you know, I should do and <laughs> so forth. I mean, it's never, never happened, and that seems like such bullshit. You know, <laughs> you can think, oh, please. But so I was working on the story, and then all of a sudden, Pi disappeared. I mean, I really did. I got her to the green, I, and she was so cute, and the braids, and the bib, and this cute thing, and she really left. And I remember saying that to some of my um, students. That you know this this happened this this you know a character really just walked off the story and just left, <laughs> and so your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> but you know what I said? I said this happens all the time, really. First, I thought it was preposterous and silly, and um, and of course it does seem now. Reading it, sort of sort of cheap, you know, because I have to you have to figure it out. But um, but there are people who disappear all the time in this country, right? They're on milk cartons and every other place. So I thought, this does happen. So maybe it could happen. Um, But it was a great surprise to me, an absolute real surprise to me. I had no idea I was gonna end up with Nick and, you know, I just didn't know that would happen at all. Yeah? When you say that character just
0: disappeared, do you mean in your mind the story of, of her part of the story just ended
1: abruptly. she was she was there on the green and i was going to be make, making my next gesture right now was 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 she going to come out and find her and were they going to go off and have an ice cream or were they going to go back to the house or what were they going to do that was i was going to make my next gesture and <laughs> <laughs> he came out and she was gone and I'm serious, this doesn't happen to me a lot. So it was, it was, it was, I, I don't know. I, I should feel guilty for bad mouthing all those people who talk about their characters talking to them. But it really, it just happened. And um, I thought, okay, I'll see what happens. I was worried too, because, you know, I didn't want the police, I, I didn't want to find a body or anything like that. And so I really had to get used to the idea that people do just disappear. <coughs> and people stop caring. And they stop looking. And that's that. So, <coughs> yeah. There's was a sentence that you used when they were um, having their picnic that I really liked. And I wanted to know if you'd done
0: this or did you just imagine it? it was, you said, um, I washed your sticky hands and melted ice in the pool. Like, have you ever done that or did you just Yes, I'm sure I've done that. That. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that.
1: have you done that too? Yeah, yeah it's it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> You're so grateful for it. You know, a little, yeah, yeah right, right, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. Uh,
0: you said you read a lot of, you read a lot of poetry. mm mm-hmm. In your work, the syntax is kind of funky. Yeah. And like, sonically interesting things are just very poetic. Yeah. Um, um, but I'm curious of what you think kind of the difference, like you write short stories. So why short stories, not poems, or, like, what different work do they do, what function, you know, like, do they have separate roles?
1: Right, right. I I have a friend who thinks that they shouldn't be different, they aren't different, and they, you know, that, that, and, and, and all of that. Um, And, um, uh, I mean, I wanted to be a poet when I was, uh, obviously, when I was in college, I really wanted to be a poet, and um, I had all these um, uh, uh, again these these stupid ideas. One, I thought if you wanted to be a poet, you have to had to be really soulful. You had to have a real soul, and I decided I didn't have a real soul. <laughs> yeah. I just wasn't that deep. Um, and that maybe fiction would be better and the other thing was I couldn't scan you know, I really couldn't scan with any kind of confidence I mean if it was a sonnet and it was iambic pentameter well okay fine I could do that but if the meter was broken or something like that happened I couldn't do it so I figured if I were a real poet I would be able to do that and again I would be soulful But then, of course, you meet poets, and you're (laughs) kind of surprised. They're not so full at all. Some of them them are really bad guys. And girls. It's a surprise. It's a surprise. So, yeah, that was an ambition. Well, thank you for asking so many questions. It's really, really been a great pleasure to be here and to. see Sarah and all of her wonderful students and um, I really wish you well in your writing life thank you